Appreciate that. If you guys have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Luke, chapter 23. Um, can't exactly say happy Good Friday to you, um, but we're still thankful, right? Um, we're still thankful that His mercy's more, that He uh, endured this night for us. Um, I was telling some people before service, I got a little, I crinked my neck yesterday, so if I seem a little stiff, um, Jesus endured more than any of us ever will, right? Um, much more, much more. So we're going to be in the book of Luke tonight as we consider some people uh, that were involved in the scenes of the cross. Uh, if you think about the book of Luke, a lot of people think that Luke had direct information from Mary, uh, Jesus' mother. And we see a lot more at the beginning of the book of Luke as far as Jesus' birth And we see uh, more little details throughout. And we have evidence that she, I mean, the Bible says she was at the cross. And so I think about what it would have been like for her, right? And the the scenes we're going to look at tonight, I think about Mary telling Luke these things and thinking she sees Jesus condemned, whipped, marched to the cross. And then she starts talking about, and these people were there, and this is what they did. And these people were there, and this is what they did. And uh, it just makes me think about uh, what it means to react to Jesus on the cross. Right? That we're all going to choose what it means. We're all going to choose what to do with a Savior on the cross. And um, so I encourage you, we're going to be in Luke 23. If you guys would stand in honor of God's word, we're going to start in verse 32. We'll read through to verse 43. It says, this is Luke 30, sorry, Luke 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word tonight, thank you for the opportunity to remember the cross, uh, to remember that Uh, the Son of God took flesh that He might live a perfect life and die for us where we deserve to die. 
and that he would raise from the dead, God, that we could have eternal life. So, Lord, we pray that you'd be honored. We pray that in our thoughts we would react rightly to the cross. Uh, God, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you may be seated. So Luke's going to show us these several different people who were before the cross, and I imagine him talking with Mary, saying, what was it like? Tell, tell me about who was there. And she starts off saying, well, there were two other people there. They were criminals with Jesus. And they, so they all marched down together, and they would have had these big, big hunks of wood that were their method of execution. They carried them, and they would have laid them down, and they would have laid them down on them, They would have nailed them to them, and they would have stuck them up in these posts. Mary said there were two others. They came to the place of the skull, and they crucified him. And first, of course, she's paying the most attention to her son, right? She's paying the most attention to Jesus. And as as they're putting them up, what does Jesus, Jesus pray? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a prayer of Jesus Christ to his father, that people would be forgiven, that they didn't know what they were doing. And yet I want to tell you the amazing thing is, of all the people that react to this crucifixion in this passage, there's only one. There's only one who turned to Jesus. I think sometimes I think, if I could have just seen it, right, it would mean more to me, right? I would, surely I would walk with Jesus better and I would I would rejoice on nights like this more and I would preach the gospel to people and I would live for Christ. But these people that actually saw it, they didn't go away walking with Christ. So let's look. We're going to go through most of these fasts and obviously we'll stop at the last one. Look down at what he says uh, in verse, uh, end of verse 34. So Jesus prays for them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But then Mary's attention goes and she says, you know, right at the bottom of the cross, they were, they were gambling for Jesus' clothes. What did those people care about? Jesus on the cross? They cared about money. They cared about money. How could you care about money when Jesus is dying on the cross? And yet, we're tempted towards that. And there's many people in the world that don't follow Christ because it would mean they can't worship money. Look down at the next one. Verse 35. And the people stood by watching. Mary says, so they, they were gambling. And she says, and there was this huge crowd of people. It was just, uh, it was just a show to them. I hear there's a good hanging on, so let's go watch. This morbid curiosity, this thought that as the Romans did executions here, it was the place they did them, everybody knew this is where the crucifixions happened, and some people said, well, isn't that fascinating? Or I should go and be a part of the spectacle. I should, you know, they just gathered to watch. And for some people, that's all, that's all the cross will ever be, curiosity. A curiosity, something they've heard about, you know, they'll go to, I remember uh, someone told me once, oh, I love, I love going to church. This person's an atheist, right? I love going to church. It just feels so good to raise your hands and get really into the music. Ah, the people stood watching. Look down, we keep going. 
Verse uh, 35, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And I just put down this, the religious leaders. What did this bring out in them? What did the cross bring out in them? Just their pride. Just their pride. Oh, if he's such a, if he thinks he's so strong, why doesn't he just, well, you know, he, he told us he was the chosen one and they're just justifying themselves. That's all they're doing. Oh, if he, I mean, we're, we were right to crucify him because, you know, he, if he really was the chosen one, you know, he wouldn't be letting us get away with this. This is his Jesus, the one who, who'd done these miracles in front of them, the one who had been loving, the one who had, who had preached truth with authority, and all they're doing is justifying themselves and their pride. Hey, the Mexico people are back. Hi, Mexico people. Our high schoolers just got back. It's good to see them. So if you see, uh, if you see, um, if you see people that look like hobos after the service, that's just them. They just got back. It's a long trip. I've been on it. Um, give them a lot of grace, but we're thankful for the work for safe passage back too. Um, so the religious leaders' pride. So Mary, Mary sees the gambling. She sees the whole crowd, and then and then she sees the religious leaders scoffing at her son as he's dying on the cross. And they're justifying themselves. Look down, we also have the soldiers. Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. It's this idea, I think, what they, I think in their hearts, they were looking for power. They said, if you're, you claim to have power, you know, this Roman soldier's going, man, I've done a lot of these crucifixions. If you've got the power you say you do, why don't you jump right off of there? Acting like he's the one that had the power. Who had the power? Jesus did. Right? He said, hey, call down legions of angels and stop this whole thing. But this Roman, these soldiers think that somehow they're, they have power over Christ. And then Mary says, it, and then above Jesus, verse 38, there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And you see her kind of like it's like we're scanning the scene, we're getting the various groups. And then she's drawn back up to the cross and she said they put an inscription up there to mock him too. This is the king of the Jews. Who put that there? Do y'all remember? Pilate, right? In the other gospels we see that it's Pilate and that he, you know, and the, the Pharisees were like, oh no, don't don't put that. And Pilate says, What I've written, I've written. And I see Pilate really trying to have some kind of control over the situation. Right? He sees a riot about to break. Like, Pilate, you put yourself in his shoes, and he knows Jesus hasn't done anything wrong, but he's desperate to try to hold it together. Right? Hold it together. And there's people, man, in America, we're good at it, where we just say, I- I'm going to keep control of my own stuff. Thank you very much. Right? I, I know the cross, like I see the cross, I know that, that Jesus loved me, I know that, but I'm, I'm going to keep control for myself. And then she says, so then she sees the cross, she gazes down, one of the, verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. It's hard to tell what this guy wanted. <laughs> 
He says, get me out of here. And it says he railed at him. It's the idea that he was, he was with the soldiers, the Pharisees, whatever. Anything he can do to try to manipulate Jesus to get him down from the cross. That's his reaction. He's, he was on the cross with Jesus and his reaction is, I need to try to manipulate this guy to save my own bacon. Right? To save myself. It's ironic, right? What was Jesus offering? Salvation. And this guy is trying to manipulate Jesus into what? Salvation. How could you miss that? Well, he missed it, I think, because all he cared about was this life. All All he could see was, I need deliverance right now. I need... I need something right now from God. And so God, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever. It, I'll do whatever. But I just need you to give me what I need right now. Right? God's a genie in a bottle. God's the one who I turn to when things are down. God's the one who I, I, I just say, uh, can I do something to get you to do what I want you to do, Jesus? And it seems like from the other Gospels that this other criminal was in on some of this too. I mean, obviously he's in pain. He wants to get down from the cross. He can't. But Mary says, Mary over, it's almost almost like she overheard this, right? Everybody's mom. I mean, picture the scene because we, it's not like everybody was taking turns talking, right? You guys ever been to like a kindergarten where everyone's talking at once, right? A sports event where everybody's just yelling, going crazy, like, sometimes we read this and we think that it was like some, oh yes, and then the Pharisees spoke, and then we passed the microphone to the soldiers, and then this was their response, and then we interviewed the criminal on the left, then we interviewed the criminal on the right. No, it would have been chaos. It would have been a mess. But in my mind, I go, man, Mary was dialed in. Right? Of course, it's her son. And she's certain she's I I mean, in if you look at the beginning of Luke with all these special visits and angels, it says that Mary treasured up these things in her heart. I think in a way, these things were treasured up as well. Look at how they mocked my son. Look at what they did to him. But at the same time, she doesn't miss. She doesn't miss that her son prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And she doesn't miss that Jesus almost has this little sidebar with this other criminal. So let's look at him. So I'm, gonna call, I'm calling this guy the convert, right? Because I think this guy's in heaven. You kind of have to think that because Jesus says it. So, um, you know, you, can, you don't want to argue with Jesus. Um, verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? What courage would it have taken? There's nobody out here that's on Jesus' team besides what we think is Mary and John and a little group of women. Besides that, it seems like the whole crowd is whipped up in a frenzy, mocking and taunting and spitting and all this stuff. And for the guy on the cross, the, the, you know, one of the criminals, to look at the other criminal and start rebuking him, what's he inviting onto himself? He's not like joining the winning team. 
I mean, he is in the end, but it's not what it looked like, right? They go, oh, this guy, look at him, he's praying to Jesus. Picture the soldiers saying, the religious leaders, oh, oh, looks like he looked, this guy's bought it too. He must be, if he'd gone to school like us, he, he wouldn't be joining Jesus. Can he see that that's over? So this guy has the courage to rebuke his partner in crime. Look down at what he says. This, this, this is what stops me about this passage. Do you not fear God? What was his response? He says, do you know where we're, do you know what's happening to us? What is happening? He's going to die. He's going to die. And what does that do for him? It's a blessing. Because it clarifies in his mind, who's he about to go meet? Yeah. He didn't know. Yeah, he wouldn't have said it that way. But yeah. Right? He says, I'm, he says, don't you fear, like, we're dying. We're done. We're about to go meet our maker. We're about to do whatever he thinks next. That's what's coming. And so I think there's a real fear of God in this guy's heart. And I'd encourage us. That's lacking in our culture today. And so as in the church, we need to say, we need to remind people, you have a maker and someday you're going to meet him. You're going to stand before him. Do not fear God. Look down at what he says next. Do not fear God since you and I are under the same sentence of condemnation. And then he says, and we indeed justly. We indeed justly. That's a key part right there. What did this guy believe as he was dying on the cross? Not Jesus, but as this criminal was. What did he believe about himself? That he was a great person? That he had lived a pretty good life and that God was going to be okay with him? That it was so unjust that he was receiving punishment? That there were so many reasons why he shouldn't if people just knew how good he'd been or they known why he did what he did? He looks at the other criminal and he says, don't you understand that we're getting what we deserve? Boy, that's real unpopular today. I don't know if you guys know that. Right? This is the biggest stumbling block, when, at least as I see it, to Christianity. Everybody wants to go see the criminal at the cross. You don't have to know much. You don't have to get baptized. All that's very true, right? This guy, we don't think, he wasn't a theologian. He was never baptized. He didn't give to the church. He didn't ever go to a church. He was a criminal. But I'll tell you what, one thing he did know was what he deserved from God. And he says, I'm condemned justly. Man, young people, teenagers, High schoolers, middle schoolers, I know there's not anybody telling you that. But I want to tell you, we all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, the pastors, all the old people here, all the people at your school. Some of you laughed because you don't consider yourself old, but to the teenagers, everybody is old, um, which is fine. That's true, true in a lot of ways. Um, 
Could you say in your heart that I'm, I'm justly condemned before God? If, you don't, if, you, if you've never said that, I wanna, I'll be bold here. But if you've never said that you're justly condemned before God, I don't, that's not the Christian gospel, whatever it is you're believing. It's not. It's not. If, you, if you've never faced your, if God's never convicted you of your sin and you face the fact that what do I deserve from God on high? And the answer is judgment, death, hell. That's the Christian gospel. And so people point to the thief on the cross and they say, see, you don't, you don't need it. You just, you know, just at the end, you can accept Jesus. And some of that is true, but I want to tell you that this guy knew what he deserved before God. He had that conviction. And then look down at what he says about Jesus. So that's his conviction about himself. Verse 41, we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Um, Jesus didn't make any mistakes. He didn't sin. You can disagree with him, but you're wrong. So I want to tell you, this is a confession of this guy that he knew, like he says, this is the miracle worker. This is the perfect one. This guy doesn't deserve to be here. He says, I deserve it. Jesus doesn't. He makes this confession with his mouth in front of a crowd that's mocking Jesus. Can you imagine? Like, he's throwing his lot in with the guy that's being crucified next to him. I'm really tempted often to throw my lot in with whoever I think is going to come out on top. Which is Jesus, if I would just remember it. This man's done nothing wrong. And then he just looks at Jesus, right? Verse 42. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he says. There's no long sinner's prayer. There's no baptismal. There's no catechism class. There's no Sunday school. He just looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's a lot there. There's a lot there that he's basically saying, Jesus, I'm putting whatever's next with you, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to go. He doesn't plead his own goodness. He doesn't say, Jesus, I'll, I'll be really good next, next life. You know, I don't. He just says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I think this is real faith. There's a real conviction of sin, and there's a real turning to Jesus. Where he says, I deserve, to, I deserve this, and I need, to go, I, need to, I need to go with this guy. Can you imagine Mary treasuring this stuff in her heart? How even then God would show her that, that there was salvation coming for people because of what Jesus was doing? That's beautiful to me. That's just a little side note. Jesus ends with a promise. Look down, verse 43. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Some people, think of all that's in this promise, right? Think of it. Today, right away, 
There's no like purgatory. There's no soul sleep. There's nothing in between. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's incredible. One, Jesus knew where he was going, which sometimes we think, oh, no, Jesus knew what he was doing on the cross, right? He knows that he's dying. And he, it's, it's a ton to bear. Like He knows that he's bearing the wrath of God for our sins. But Jesus knows he's going to paradise. Jesus knows that his Father will raise him from the dead. Jesus is the forerunner of our faith, right? He knew that what God would do was true. That what God had promised was true. That what God was accomplishing would really happen. When he said it is finished, he knew it and he meant it. And he knew what he was saying. It wasn't like he was guessing. And he says, today I'll be with me in paradise. What a promise. What a promise. So what what is this for us? What is this for us? One, if you're not a Christian, if you've never said to yourself, I deserve the judgment of God, but I'm turning to Jesus. It's open tonight. It's open tonight. Good Friday 2023 could be your night. It doesn't, don't, oh, well, no, I gotta, I gotta clean myself up. No, this guy didn't clean himself up. Well, I gotta learn some, no, this, this, he didn't have any time to learn nothing. Well, I gotta be baptized. No, this, the one beautiful thing, the church has always looked to this guy, this thief on the cross, and gone, look, look at the gospel of Jesus. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave, that all you have to do is believe. And you'll have everlasting life. For those of us who know Christ, and as we look to the, as we think about the cross, right? I know we would we wouldn't say this publicly, but let's make sure we're not a part of any of these other groups, right? As we look to the cross tonight, it might seem really large, and we're in it, and we're like, yes. But then money will try to creep up, and our pride will try to creep in. And the desire for power and control will try to push the cross and Jesus out of where he should be in our lives. Or the fame of the world. Or just the the mundane following of the crowd. Whatever it is. Let's not let it push the cross out of our minds. That's one thing that um, I rejoice in Good Friday that we could remember. The cross should be center of everything we do. Everything we are. And when something's tempted to push its way in. We look and we go, on the cross, my Savior died for me. On the cross, my Savior died for me. Let me pray for us, then we're going to take communion together. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your people that we could gather and remember the cross. Lord, I ask um, that when something tries to shove its way in, that when these things get in the way, God, that we, wouldn't, that, that we would follow you, that we would have simple faith like this thief on the cross, that we would know who we were without you and that we would know what you've done for us. We would know what glory awaits us. God, that we would know that heaven is real, that paradise is real, that forgiveness is real, that Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. So God, we trust you for that. Thank you for this time together as a church family. Thank you for bringing these students and parents home uh, safely from Mexico. For the service they got to do there, God, we rejoice um, to be uh, out there showing people who Jesus is. God, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.